Next Saturday, the 19th of November, Malaysia goes to the polls for what's known as GE15, the country's 15th general election. At the last election in 2018, about 15 million people were eligible to vote. Voting is voluntary in Malaysia and 82%, about 12 million people, turned out to cast a ballot in 2018. For GE15, the number of eligible voters has gone up by about 6 million because of a new automatic voter registration system and also the voting age being dropped from 21 to 18. The campaign is only two weeks long after a snap election was called by Prime Minister Ismail Sabri Yaakob, the UMNO leader who holds power in a coalition government now known as Barisan Nasional or the National Front. Candidates at the election include the 97-year-old, twice former Prime Minister, Dr Mahathir Mohamad, the country's oldest political candidate, and veteran opposition leader Anwar Ibrahim, now 75, who says that this election is the last chance for him to realise his dream of becoming Prime Minister. Ben Sufyan is co-founder of the Merdeka Centre for Opinion Research, Malaysia's first polling organisation, and I'm very pleased to say that he joins us on Sunday Extra Now. Welcome, Ben. Hi, thanks for having me on. Ben, increasing the number of eligible voters by 25% seems like a massive change. How did that come about and what effect do you think it's likely to have in GE15? Well, this uh, increase in the number of new voters was a proposal by the previous opposition party, Pakatan Harapan, or the Alliance of Hope, leading up to the 2018 general election. So when they won the election, they uh, you know, campaigned and they lobbied lawmakers across the aisle and was able to get bipartisan support to change the constitution and bring down the electoral age, as well as uh, making everyone who's 18 and above eligible to vote. And the reason why all of the political parties uh, supported this was I think many of the leaders of these parties believe that having younger people come on board will actually help their political party gain some support. Now, I think as we go into this journey, we find that it's not exactly so simple, that there are differences in terms of how young people living in urban and rural areas and different parts of the country participating, thinking about politics, and also joining the process. That's really interesting. And I imagine for somebody who does opinion research, a new challenge, not a challenge that many other countries would have faced. How do you go about trying to gauge what these new voters actually think and how they're going to vote? Yeah, you know, Julian, you know, as a pollster, there already is an existing challenge of just trying to get the sample right. You know, (laughs) I think pollsters around the world continue to have this challenge of getting it wrong. And, you know, we are no different than all of them. In the context of Malaysia, we have, I think, two added challenges. Number one is a political culture that still harbors suspicions about expressing one's political opinions openly. Mm. Number two, with the influx of such a high percentage of new voters, it poses new challenges in terms of trying to reach them. We conduct most of our survey research through telephone. The reason is because telephone ownership, mobile phone ownership in Malaysia is very, very high. So technically, it's easy to reach them. But the challenge is that younger people are pretty much on prepaid plans that, and they constantly change their phone numbers. So it's very hard to get at their contact points. And so it's a challenge to get uh, young people as well as those who are living in rural areas because 
they may be voting in a rural district, but they might be living in a city. So there's always the challenge of matching that up. Sounds like your job is not getting any easier, Ben. Uh, but you've mentioned already one of the coalitions which is vying for government, Pakatan Harapan, uh, which is led by Anwar Ibrahim. And I mentioned also the National Front coalition with uh, the UMNO leader, the current Prime Minister, Ismail Sabri Yaakob. Who's the other coalition vying for government and what read do you have at the moment, Ben, on how this very short election campaign uh, is going? Well, the other third coalition that is vying for power, competing for votes, is uh, Parikatan National or National Alliance. This coalition is led by uh, former Prime Minister Mohidin Yassin. So he's the Prime Minister that took over from Dr. Mahathir's uh, second stint. Uh, and he has allied himself with the uh, Malaysian Islamic Party and another multiracial party. So this party, you know, when we look at the survey research and how they perform in the couple of state elections that we've had over the past one year, we notice that this party is increasingly gaining support from the Malay Muslim electorate here in Malaysia, in part because of a couple of reasons. Number one, there is the pre-existing base of conservative Muslim voters that has always backed the Islamic party. But recently, we also noticed that there is a, a groundswell of dissatisfaction, particularly amongst the Malay electorate, that's, I think, flowing to this Perikatan National. And I think this is where this election becomes interesting because Barisan National, which had been in power for more than 60 years, now has a viable competitor targeting the same vote base, the Malay Muslim electorate. Very fascinating situation, and it's occurred in what, by Malaysian standards, has been a period of some political instability with three prime ministers in three years. That's sounding like the number of prime ministers you'd expect to see in either Australia or England, Ben. <laughs> of course, in 2018, Anwar Ibrahim's coalition won the election. Why didn't Anwar Ibrahim become prime minister then? And what chance do you think there is that he will uh, realise that dream at this election? Well, you know, there's a long story to this, but I think to put it very simply, is that Anwar Ibrahim was not able to gain the support of his coalition partners towards the end of Mahathir's period. You know, he promised to stay in power for two years and then mm. turn over to Anwar. Mahathir's party bolted. They left the coalition and Mahathir resigned. So there was a period where Muhyiddin Yassin, who was the president of that small party, they left and formed a separate coalition with the Islamists as well as the old Barisan National, the National Front. And so Anwar Ibrahim was, uh, uh, so the chance of becoming prime minister, you know, eluded him because of that. The underlying cause, I mean, to put it simply, is that a lot of the coalition partners representing the Malay Muslim community in the coalition at that time felt that they were not able to get support from the community, that being in a coalition with uh, Anwar Ibrahim and the other party, which is a predominantly Chinese party, has cost them Malay support. So they left uh, because they felt that they couldn't win in a future election. On Sunday Extra, we're speaking with Ben Sufyan, co-founder of Merdeka Centre for Opinion Research, Malaysia's first polling organisation, ahead of the 15th general election to be held on the 19th 
of November. And Ben, I'm going to ask you the question that all pollsters hate to have asked before an election. Who's going to win? Well, I think at this point, there's no clear winner. Uh, the way that the parties have arranged themselves, the base vote, the Malay Muslim vote is split three ways between Anwar Ibrahim, between National Front, as well as Perikatan National is split three ways. So very likely that you know Anwar Ibrahim's coalition may likely have the largest share of seats in parliament. But then the question comes after that is, who will he be able to partner with to form a government? So I think there are two possible options. A, the Pakatan Harapan could form a coalition with either one of the two coalitions, or those two other coalitions form a partnership among themselves and joined up by parties from Borneo. So it's still up in the air. So we have, I think, two possible pathways for establishing a government on next Sunday. Often in Australia, at least, if a government calls an early election, that's perceived as a risky manoeuvre that sometimes voters do not take to uh, very warmly. Is there any sense that the, the timing of this election and the short campaign is going to play in the favour of any of the particular players? Yes, it does. You know, this election was strange in the sense that actually the term of the Malaysian parliament is supposed to end by the middle of next year. So it's really very close towards the end. But uh, the president of the National Front had been pushing, agitating for early elections. And I think the thinking there was they need to have an elections done before the opposition parties began to cooperate with one another. <laughs> so take advantage of a split and fragmented opposition. Uh, but the moment the elections were called, we begin noticing through our surveys that voters were reacting negatively towards the national front. And at this point in time, and we still have you know, about a week to go before election day, there seems to be an erosion of support for the national front. And it's flowing to Perikatan National to some extent, but also to Pakatan Harapan. So both these two additional coalitions in the opposition they are drawing support from two different bases. Anwar Ibrahim's Pakatan Harapan draws support from the minority segments of the Malaysian public. Perikatan National is drawing support from the Malay Muslims. And what we're noticing over the last week is that the Perikatan National's Malay support number seems to be rising gradually. And if these trends persist, you know, they might do well in the election and change the nature of Malaysian politics moving forward. Ben, what are the main issues that are being discussed on the campaign trail? Principal issues here in Malaysia, I think same everywhere else around the world. It's the post-pandemic recovery plan that's being put across by the different coalitions and different leaders. I think a lot of voters are not happy with how uh, the so-called recovery is taking place. Number two, there is also this uh, inflation problem that has eaten away at the uh, incomes of households and concerns about you know, stagnant wages, that's the fundamental concern. But two other important concerns is about the state of governance uh, in the country, as well as uh, the issue of um, basically governance. And the issue of governance is you know, following up from 2018 and the 1MDB scandal mm. and the jailing of Najib Razak, the former PM, a lot of people feel that there's still a lot of unfinished business. A lot of the leaders who are charged with corruption and mismanagement are still there. They're still, in fact, contesting in this election. So a lot of people feel 
more needs to be done by the government to fight corruption. And the third issue is the concern about this political uncertainty and its effects on the Malaysian economy. We've had three prime ministers in three years. You know, this is unprecedented for Malaysia. And it also affects the work of government because new policies couldn't be done. And the country feels that it's losing out in taking advantage of geopolitics and changes in the economic order in East Asia. And just finally, Ben, speaking of unfinished business, perhaps business that never finishes, what chance that Mahathir Mohamad could become Prime Minister another time? <laughs> yeah, you know, he uh, he is an indefatigable fighter. <laughs> yes. He has, uh, you know, uh, immense energy, you know, for a 97-year-old. Uh, and he's, you know, uh, contesting a large, his party is contesting a large number of seats. Nearly one half of the parliament, uh, parliamentary seats is contested by his party. But I think at this point in time, the survey research and other polls seems to indicate that that coalition is not going very far. Uh, I would say that, you know, Dr. Mahathir himself might win in his seat, but I think the chances of him working with other people and, you know, getting the top job in the country, I think is very remote at this point. Ben Sufyan, thank you so much for speaking with us on Sunday Extra. Thank you. And Ben Sufian is the co-founder of Merdeka Centre for Opinion Research, Malaysia's first polling organisation, and the country goes to the polls on the 19th of November. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.